Welcome to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week. Hey, good morning. Um, my name is Russell. If you weren't here for the introduction that David gave, um, I am serving as the resident pastor here at Stonebridge for 2024. And so, um, if you're new here, I've preached a couple times, um, and you'll get to see me a little bit throughout the next year. Um, I've been, maybe it's helpful to have a little bit of context, I've been pastoring a small kind of missional expression of church in an apartment complex uh, here in Marietta off the Franklin Road, and um, been, my wife and I have lived there, worked there, worshiped there for the past six years. Um, and currently trying to discover what God's calling us to next, and that's kind of what this space is meant to be for me. Um, but anyways, I've got a lot to say and not a lot of time to say it, so let's jump in. Um, we are gonna be looking at Matthew chapter three today, verses one through 12, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Um, the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at Matthews chapter one and two, and what Matthew's been primarily doing up to this point is kind of highlighting that Jesus is the fulfillment of the scriptures, right? So those Old Testament prophecies that were saying, hey, a savior is gonna come, God's gonna send him, um, and it's gonna look this way. So Jesus kind of checks all those boxes. Um, and then today, we're looking at uh, John the Baptist, who is a sort of extension onto that fulfillment, right? And so uh, he's obviously not the Messiah, but the the people, the Jewish people at this time would not have only expected a promised savior, but they would have expected a forerunner, somebody that was gonna come before the Messiah to prepare the way. And that's who John the Baptist is. Um, if you don't know anything about him, he dressed kind of funny, he's not a very presentable person. And so that's why I'm preaching today is because <laughs> I'm the most unpresentable person on staff. Um, here we are. Uh, I hope that my appearance is not a barrier uh, to the gospel. But um, John's message was one of repentance. And so I'm gonna be talking about repentance today, which is not the most comfortable topic. Um, it can make all of us feel a little uneasy at times. Um, but before I start talking about repentance and saying that word over and over again, it's important for us to have kind of a firm grip and understanding on what that word means. So repent in the Greek means to change your mind and your attitude, but the, the readers would have also had a, an Old Testament influence or lens and how they understood that word and they would have known that it means to also change your behavior, the, the things that you are doing and the direction that you're going in your life. And so whenever we hear John talk about repentance or Jesus talk about repentance, they're not just saying like, just change your mind or just change, do some good things. It is a call to change your entire way of life. Right, so for us, when we become believers, put our faith and trust in him, it is a call to change everything. The way you think, the way you act, and the direction you're going in your life. Um, and so that's a big call, that's a big command, and that's challenging, and that's what makes it so uncomfortable. 
um, for you and for me also. Um, a couple, a few weeks ago, I was actually on the square and for the art walk and enjoying the evening and there was a moment that I kind of looked up and realized that I was surrounded by evangelists and street preachers um, handing out pamphlets and there were guys on like every corner and they were frankly screaming uh, a message of repentance and, and it made me uncomfortable. Um, yeah, uh, that is kind of funny, right? Um, and you know, I think part of the reason that it made me feel so uncomfortable was because, uh, you know, I thought, man, I'm gonna, or first I felt uncomfortable and then I felt frustrated and I felt frustrated because I, I didn't know if it was really gonna be that effective. You know, I, I have a heart to see people come to know Jesus and I wanna see that done in effective ways. Um, and because I couldn't really sense, I'm not saying that they didn't love the people they were trying to reach, but I, I couldn't feel it, I couldn't sense it. But I also knew at that time that in three weeks I was gonna be preaching on repentance and so I started to pray. Um, I was like, Lord, you know, what, what is it that's going on in my heart? Why am I so frustrated? And um, the Lord kind of like, uh, I feel like he avoided my question and he just said that he was pleased with them. That their hearts were in a place where they just wanted to obey God and they wanted to go and share the message of repentance and so the Lord was pleased with them. So it's important for us to remember that the ministry and the message of those street preachers and of myself and of John the Baptist might not always be one that's very pleasing for us, um, but it is pleasing to the Lord and that makes it worth saying. Um, and so with that, we're gonna go ahead and dive in to Matthew chapter three, verses one through 12. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who is spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, making his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist and his food was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordans were going out to him and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bear fruit in keeping with repentance and do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the ax is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree therefore that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He will, he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. This is the word of God. Uncomfortable. But important. At the beginning of this passage, what we see John, uh, what we see 
uh, yeah, Matthew doing is that he's kind of painting this picture of who John is. He's helping us to kind of understand a few things about him. So he highlights what he's wearing. He's wearing uh, a shirt made out of hair and a leather belt. So that would have been uncomfortable and um, would have resembled uh, the prophet um, Elijah in the Old Testament. And then he talks about his diet. So he eats bugs and wild honey. Uh, so that's weird. And um, yeah, but that was the diet of the poor, right? And so that, that's what John was doing there. And then, and then he connects the, the fact that he's preaching in the wilderness and so, uh, and, and shows us the connection between that and Isaiah chapter 40, which is a, a, the prophecy that's saying, hey, a forerunner's gonna come and this is kind of what he's gonna look like and where he's gonna be when he does that. And so what Matthew is doing is he's, He's kind of highlighting two things in particular. One, that John is the fulfillment of the prophecy. And then two, that John's message was being proclaimed not only in word, but also in deed. He was a man of integrity, that his life reflected the message that he was bringing people, right? So he wasn't just telling people to repent and living a life that, that looked no different than anybody else. Um, and so we see that we've, we've painted this picture and then all these people just start coming out, the, the masses are coming out into the wilderness to hear this guy talk because they're, they're kind of saying, okay, this guy resembles the forerunner, is he the real deal? Um, so if he is, and that means that a savior is coming and that's good news for them. Um, and um, because e even in Isaiah 40, if you read on, right, their kind of expectation of this Savior and the forerunner is that, that God was coming to, to pull Israel out of the valleys of their oppression and their poverty and their sickness and that he was going to rescue them from these proud, arrogant, pagan, pagan nations that were that were persecuting them and, and uh, frankly, just making their lives miserable. And so they're feeling like, okay, when he comes, it's good. And so we're, we're excited about this guy being here. And we wanna hear what he has to say. Um, because again, their expectation was that they were gonna be in the kingdom of God. That's what they're thinking. Okay, we're God's chosen people, we're good. And that this kingdom that God is coming to bring is going to be physically visible, that it's gonna be materially prosperous, and then it's gonna be a powerful geopolitical system that's gonna to totally change the whole way that the world works, and we're gonna be on the right side of this thing. But John very quickly begins to kind of flip the script on them, right? So these religious leaders show up, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and they haven't even said anything yet, and John just starts to rip into them. Um, Right, he's saying, he's saying to them, you're not guaranteed a spot in God's kingdom. Right, just because you're sons of Abraham, it, salvation is not your birthright. You didn't inherit it. But the kingdom of God is reserved for those who repent. And he's kind of telling them, hey, if you, if you guys are gonna do this, if you're gonna repent, if you wanna be in the kingdom of God, now's the time to do it because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What he's saying there is like, God's here. Like any moment, he's gonna show up and you better be ready. And you better be ready because when he comes, his wrath comes with him. Now that's scary. 
But I think it's important that we know this, is that when, when God's wrath comes, it is not fueled by rage, right? His wrath is actually fueled by his holiness. And that everybody is consumed by the fire, right? But those who have repented are consumed by the fires of the Holy Spirit and those refine and purify and make holy. And unfortunately, those that do not repent are just consumed. Hmm. It just doesn't sit well with me sometimes. But it's important for us to be asking, or like you guys are probably asking yourselves, where do I stand, right? Am I, uh, am I good? Am I one of the repentant, repentant ones? Or am I not, have I not done that? Um, you're wondering if you can like check out. You're like, do I need to listen to this sermon or not? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, but I think it's important that, that everybody knows that we all need to repent, every single one of us in this room. Because there's some of you guys in this room, maybe, maybe you haven't re- repented. You know, you're, right now you're just kind of going to church. It's an add-on. Um, and maybe you're uncomfortable today because I'm reminding you that repentance is a requirement to following Jesus. Um, you can't just kind of add a couple good Jesus things and hope that that works out for you. Um, But many of you guys are probably a little bit more like me in that at some point in your life, you had this moment of repentance where you say, God, I'm I'm turning away from my way of doing things and my way of thinking and I wanna submit to you fully. But as the years go on and the more that you walk with Jesus, the more that you kind of discover there's a whole lot more in you that is not surrendered. There's a lot of you that just hasn't quite changed and some of those things that still remain, you just don't really know how to let it go. Still holding it tightly in a clenched fist. See, the repentance that I'm speaking of is not a simple one and done moment, but the, the repentance, I'm, true repentance is a one-time decision to enter into a life of repentance. Continually turning away from sin and self and the ways of the world in order to walk more closely and intimately with Jesus. Now there are probably a million reasons in this room um, as to why we don't repent, why we don't change every aspect of our life and begin to walk more closely with Jesus. But um, I don't know all of those reasons, and today I'm just gonna talk about one, because um, it's my reason, uh, at least it's the reason that God's been um, reminding me as I was preparing for this, um, and over the past several months, actually. Um, give me one second. I think for me, the reason is that I have often counted the cost of following Jesus, but I have failed to count the reward of following Jesus. 
And that might sound odd. Maybe it's the way I was raised, but that's, that's kind of what it is for me. This is what I mean by that. Um, I think for the majority of my life, whenever I read this story about John, I'm looking at his life and I'm thinking, this is what the Christian life looks like. I look at John's life and I see a man that has decided to deny himself of all pleasures and to live this uncomfortable and suffering life in order to be obedient to God. And for me, this is what I thought, this is what I thought it meant for me to say yes to Jesus. It meant for me to, to willingly step into a life of suffering because God is God and he is worthy of all of me. And that's true, but that's not the whole story. I have failed to see the, the whole picture, the, the whole message that John is sharing, right? He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I forgot about the kingdom. Or maybe it's just the fact that over the past handful of years, I am just beginning to realize I'm just beginning to taste and see that God is not only worthy, but he's also good. He's really good. Yeah. I love my life. Um, and that uh, might sound like a weird thing to say. I don't know. Hopefully you guys love your lives too, I guess. But um, I, I don't know that I've always loved my life, uh, but I would say that uh, the longer that I've been following Jesus, year after year, I just feel like I love God more and more. Um, and I'm, I'm not trying to say that my life is void of suffering and difficulty. Um, I guarantee you that most of you wouldn't wanna live where I live or work where I work or drive what I drive or feel what I feel. Um, but I do love my life and, and God has been just uh, making it richer and sweeter than I had ever expected it to be. Um, and, and honestly, um, recently for my birthday, I feel like he's been kind of telling me that I, I'm actually just starting to scratch the surface of how good he really is. Um, for my birthday, uh, I'm an introvert, so my wife um, understands me. So she said, hey, why don't you go to the High Museum of Art by yourself and just go walk around? And I said, that's great. Let's, <laughs> let's do that. Let's be alone. Um, yeah, uh, so it was good. So I walked in, I'm in the high museum and, um, I, I come up upon this, um, this sculpture, the statue of Rebecca. Um, and I think maybe there's going to be a picture of it. Maybe there it is. Yeah. So it's this, um, beautiful sculpture. Um, and the, you know, this, this thinly veiled woman and you can still see like her eyes, like you, if you're close to it, you can see like her eyelashes and her features and um, I just felt like the Lord was speaking to me through it and so um, instead of trying to tell you what I was getting out of it, I'm just gonna write, tell you guys what I wrote in my journal um, after my time at the high. 
um, I said this, I'm talking to the Lord. Um, As I looked at this thinly veiled sculpture, I sensed you speaking to me. It seemed to me that you were saying, this is how I want you to see me. Perhaps I can't see you fully, but I can see you far more than I thought possible. Like the veil that hides your glory would be so thin that it drapes over your body and exposes your goodness. You want me to know you. As I meditate on these things, I ask myself, what is the veil? Do you hide yourself from me? I think not. Is the veil actually the distractions and demands of life? It is everything else that screams at me for my attention and begs for my devotion. Lord, would you remove all the layers, all the walls, all the burlap sacks that hide your form and give me all that is needed to see who you are. Oh Lord, I wanna see your glory. I wanna know you more. And you are hidden all the treasures of life. Capture my attention, hold my gaze, fix my eyes upon you. May I never look away. Um, See, for us, it is everything that is screaming for our attention and begging for our devotion. It is our sin and our self-worship It's our position and our possessions. It's our keeping up with the Joneses. It's our ways of thinking and living that are keeping us from experiencing the full measure of God's love for us. See, now whenever I look at this story of John, I'm I'm not seeing a man who just chose suffering, what I see is a man that has experienced the love of God so richly that he willingly and joyfully removed anything and everything that could possibly keep him from experiencing more. But how do we do that? How do we become like John? Where do we begin to repent, to remove the veil, and to receive the kingdom life that is found in relationship with Jesus? Um, I think that it needs to begin with confession and prayer, so that's kind of my encouragement for us today. Um, Confession, I'm not saying that what we, you guys need to go and tell everybody whatever your sin is, that's not what I'm saying. Most of you guys know what it is, right? You know what you're holding on to so tightly and you just don't know how to let it go. I think today what I would encourage us to do is to actually confess the fact that we just don't want God more than we want this. I think God can work with that if we just begin to confess that, that we just don't want him more. But maybe today you're starting to feel like you do want to want God more. So 
So in, in just a minute, we're gonna have a time of ministry and you guys will have an opportunity to come forward. And I would encourage you to come forward if that's what you, where you're feeling tugged today, right? If you feel like, man, I really don't want God more than I, but I want to want him more. then maybe we'd begin to just open up our hands and just say, God, I don't know how to let this thing go. I'm gonna need you to take it from me. And in its place, I pray that you would just allow me to experience the full measure of your love. So whenever you guys come forward, the ministry teams, they're just gonna pray that Ephesians 3 prayer that we would, would begin to know the love that surpasses all knowledge, that we begin to, to grasp how deep and wide and long is the love of Christ. And maybe as we begin to experience and see and understand that love, then maybe we would be like John and we would begin to willingly and joyfully release ourselves to him. My other encouragement is for those of you um, that won't come forward. Um, so I've, I've been out there during a message and ministry time similar to this, and I've thought about how hard it is to come forward sometimes. Like, I mean, I'm a, I'm a pastor, but I, I think it's the same as anyway. Like when I come forward, people make presumptions about me, right? They assume, oh man, how could man, how could he go possibly go up there because he wants something else more than he wants God? I mean, he's messed up. But I want you guys to know that every single one of you and, if, and me, we're all sinners. There is all, we all have something that we're holding tightly in our fist and we're saying, I want this more than I want God. And so please don't sit there and judge anybody that's willing to come up here and to say, I just want to want God more. I want us to be a church that celebrates repentance and doesn't judge those who repent. I'm not saying that everybody has to come forward. I'm just saying, if you sit there, right? If you sit there, then celebrate when you see somebody walk forward. And if you're afraid to come forward, I just want you to know that what you do might not always be pleasing to other people, but it is pleasing to God. So I'm gonna pray for us and we'll step into time of ministry. Um, Heavenly Father, um, Lord, I do pray that according to your glorious riches, that you would strengthen us with power through your Holy Spirit to begin to grasp the full measure of your love. I ask that you would begin to change our minds, change our hearts, that we would start to want you again. Lord, we're sorry. 
We're sorry for all those things that we hold on to so tightly. And with our words, we confess that we want you more than anything, but with our lives, with our lives, we say that we love our things, our thoughts more than we love you. Lord, I pray that today that you would lead us lead us in your love to the new life the kingdom life that is found in relationship with you I pray for all of these things in Jesus name, amen Thank you for listening to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week. 